Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here. Thanks for being here today. And if you're watching online, thanks for joining in. I know that there are other things you could be doing in December, right? Shopping, wrapping presents, family get-togethers. It's crazy, isn't it? December is here. You guys notice that it's like Christmas? Yeah. Did you notice that? We decorated a little bit. I know it's been, it just kind of hit me. I mean, we went from summer, I think, to December. I mean, it's been a really fast season. So I'm excited about uh, the next several weeks here at the church. So thanks for being here today. So I grew up attending a Mennonite church. So how many people in here either attended Mennonite or a conservative church growing up? All right, yeah, several of us. And I, I love many things about Locust Grove Mennonite Church. Uh, one of the things they did is they taught the Bible pretty straightforward. I appreciated that. Uh, they had a heart for service and forgiving. I appreciated that. But one of the things that my Mennonite church didn't do is they, they didn't teach on the Holy Spirit. They actually skipped over some of the chapters in the Bible, right? You know, like 1 Corinthians chapter 12, just like we just kind of skip over that when I was growing up. And so I didn't know much about the Holy Spirit growing up. Any of you, like, that's you, like you kind of grew up like that, not sure what the Holy Spirit was. Um, but after several years, I ended up attending uh, a, a charismatic church called Grace Christian Fellowship in Sturgis, wonderful church. And... They had um, a belief in the Holy Spirit. And so it was one of those, you know, you come from a Mennonite church where you don't talk about it at all, and then you go to a charismatic church where, like, it's all over the place. You know, it was kind of like a shocking moment for me. Um, but it was really good, really good for me to learn the full gospel. Let's put it that way. But I remember they brought in some, some speakers from, like, North Carolina or wherever, and they had uh, prophetic gifts. So it was like they could give a prophetic word. And they, they actually had a prophecy over me when I was in my 20s. And they said that you will go to the nations in ministry. And, and I heard that, and it stuck to me because I believe that was God that had it stick to me. And I thought, well, I'm going to be a missionary. I'm, I better learn some foreign language and, and go, you know, and, and be a missionary. And that never happened. I never became uh, a full-time missionary. But then, you know, fast forward several decades later, and I started the, the missions ministry at my former church. And uh, since that time, I have been on over 20 international missions trips and have led hundreds of people into doing international missions. So that prophetic word that that couple gave me was correct. It was correct. Well, then you fast forward a little bit, and I was working at Memorial Hospital this a, a while ago. I was working at Memorial Hospital, and I was meeting with my, my former pastor for lunch, Pastor Mark, and we were sitting at I think it was uh, BW3s in downtown South Bend when it was still there. And, and we were just talking about like my heart for ministry, my heart for people. And he leaned across the table and he said, hey, Clint, if you're still doing this work stuff five years from now, 
I'll be disappointed. And what, what he meant was that he saw this call in my life for ministry, and I believe it was a prophetic word where God was speaking through him to say that you're going to go into full-time ministry, you know, within the next five years. And, you know, sure enough, within five years, I was on full-time staff at, actually it was his church, but I was a full-time staff on or in a church. Well, when I went into full-time ministry, I don't know if you guys know this, but it doesn't pay quite the same as some professional jobs. It's a little bit lower. And so my wife and I were talking about how are we going to be able to afford this, you know, to take a pay cut and go into ministry. And uh, we had set aside money for another purpose, and we had a savings account. And so we uh, said, well, we can, we can live off of what the church can pay us and then out of our savings, and we can, we can do this for maybe a year, year and a half, something like that. And so over time, over that first year, um, you know, my, my savings account was going down like this, you know, because I'm just trying to, to break even. And... Um, so I was a little concerned about that because I didn't even think it was going to last a year, you know, this savings account. And I was, I was at church, and this couple came in from out of town. They had attended a vineyard church in Texas or Florida or something like that, and they were visiting people up here and, and came to our church for Sunday. And they said, hey, does anyone want to go out for lunch? And I was like, yeah, we'll go out to lunch with you, me and my wife. So so we went out to lunch with this couple from out of town, and while we were just eating, we were sitting at Chili's or somewhere like that, uh, she just stopped the conversation, and she looked at me, and she says, I have a prophetic word for you. I said, okay, what, what is it? And she said, I see a stack of cash, and I see it going down and going down and going down and going down, and then right before it gets to the bottom, it pops back up, and then it goes down, it goes down, and then it pops back up. She didn't know anything about my my situation or what I was thinking about or, or worrying about. And so over the next several years, that's exactly what would happen. Uh, we would be spending our savings account down and then we would uh, have some type of financial deal go through and it would pop back up. And then we'd be spending it down and then we'd get a tax return and it would pop back up. And so over the last 15 years, that's kind of been our case. We still have that savings account and it has never gone zero. And it's, there's not much in it right now. I will tell you that. Ready for it to pop back up, right? Um, but it has never gone down to zero. So her prophetic word for me was accurate. And then uh, several years later, I'm, I'm on, church, or on staff at this church as the executive pastor. And God's beginning to speak to me about uh, leaving that church after 11 years of being on staff, and starting the church here in Elkhart. And that's a whole nother level of responsibility. It's, it's one thing to be kind of like that second command, so if things go wrong, you can just say, well, that's his fault. You know, you just point to the, to the boss. But when you are now the, the person in charge, that's a whole nother level of responsibility and, and, and preaching every week and those kinds of things. And so we were, we were praying and fasting and saying, Lord, are you sure this is what you want us to do? Uh, this seems like a, a radical change for us, but we were making steps towards it. Nobody knew. Um, we were just like planning, like we're probably going to do this. And I was doing some, some counseling, some pastoral counseling with this lady, and, uh, and she came in, and while we were talking, she said, you know, I have something to share with you. 
I said, what's that? She goes, well, while you were teaching this class, because I was teaching a class on uh, spiritual gifts, she said, um, I had a prophetic word for you that um, you were going to be a lead pastor. And she didn't know anything. She didn't know anything about me or about what was happening. And sure enough, a few months later, uh, I was, we started this church, and I was a lead pastor here at Lighthouse. So her prophecy, again, was correct. So what is a prophecy? What is a prophecy? Here's the dictionary definition. It's a prediction of something to come. A prediction of something to come. So in the Bible, when people would hear from God, a revelation from God, they would share it, and then they were known as prophets. And in the Old Testament, there are 63 different prophets who are listed and mentioned by name. And in the New Testament, there are dozens as well. But in the New Testament, God does give us the spiritual gift of prophecy. And so you'll see that more people, you don't have to necessarily be a prophet to have the spiritual gift of prophecy and to be able to give prophetic words. So we'll see that all throughout the New Testament, and we'll see it in the church today. So why would God share words of the future with us? Why would he do that? So we're going to try to answer that. Here are four reasons why God shares prophecies with us. You can fill these in on your handout if you'd like. First of all is to give us direction. To give us direction. So when that couple prophesied over me um, that I was going to go to the nations to do ministry, even though I, I thought it meant one thing, it never really left my heart. I always had a heart for international missions. And so that, as time went on and I had opportunity to do missions work, it just gave me direction like, no, I'm, I'm wired for this. I'm called to this. And so I would say yes to those things. And, and I've been able, like I said, to be able to go on uh, a couple dozen mission trips since then. And hopefully we'll continue to do that. As well as when Pastor Mark said to me, hey, if, if you're still doing this stuff five years from now, I'll be disappointed. Um, that was, that was a, a direction for me that I, I really need to go into full-time ministry. I need to follow that calling. And in fact, there's a clock ticking. It kind of felt like there was like a countdown clock. And it was, it was almost exactly five years later that I went into full-time ministry. So God will share a prophetic word with us to give us direction. He will also give us a warning. That's your second fill-in. He'll warn us through prophetic words. God will tell us to not do some things that we're doing or to do some things that we're not doing, to give us a warning. An example of that in the Bible is Jonah. Many of us remember the story of Jonah and the whale, but we may not really connect the dots that he was a prophet. He was a prophet. So in Jonah chapter 1, just at the very beginning of the chapter, verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. It says, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. So God was giving a revelation to Jonah to be a prophet, to go prophesy to this town and give them a warning. So what did Jonah do? 
he went the other way, right? That's, that's the whole story of the whale. So he got on a boat and says, I'm going to Joppa. I'm not going to go to Nineveh. Ends up being a big storm. They throw him in the water. He gets swallowed by a whale. And in the middle, the belly of the whale, he repents and says, okay, God, I'll do what you told me to do. Um, side note, if you're in the belly of a whale today, life is hard and rough because you're not doing what God told you to do, I'd say repent, right? I mean, just say, okay, God, I'll do what you told me to do because anything's better than where I'm at. And that's basically what Jonah said. And so the whale spit him out and he decided to do what God told him to do. So in chapter three of Jonah, it says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That was the warning. That was the prophetic warning. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. So the people heard the warning, all right? They heard the prophetic warning, and they repented. They turned from their sin. And this is what happened in verse 10. It says, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. See, in this situation, the prophetic word was that the town was going to be destroyed. It was a warning but they heeded the warning, and they turned from their sins. So this was a prophecy that actually didn't come to pass, but it was still a valid prophecy. It was a warning. Now, if you read through First and Second Kings, First uh, and Second Samuel, the Judges, you'll see many prophets rise up and give warnings that are not heeded, and the destruction actually does follow it. But God will give us a prophetic word as a warning. Number three, he'll give us a prophetic word as a confirmation. Confirmation. A confirmation of what God has already spoken to us. So many of us can hear God. I mean, we, God wants, wants to be in relationship with us. He wants to speak to us. And so he'll tell us things and then we're not so sure if we're hearing God's voice. Anyone been there before? Like, you think this is what God's saying. I'm not 100% sure. The example for me was when I was like, I, I think I'm supposed to start this church. I think I'm supposed to be a lead pastor, but I'm not sure I can do it. And so this lady tells me that God told her I was going to be a lead pastor. That was a confirmation. I also had a friend of mine who I said, hey, I need to sit down and talk, talk to you about something. And uh, he has the word of prophecy within him, too. And he says, uh, you're planning a church. Yep. <laughs> How'd you know that? Well, it was just, he knew because God spoke to him. But God will send prophetic words to us to confirm what we already know. Many times when God is speaking through me in a prophetic word, it is not a new revelation that God is giving me to them. They already know it but they just need to hear it out loud sometimes. You know, that, that's what God is saying. And so confirmation is a huge reason for the prophetic. And then number four is to give us hope. To give us hope. In my story, uh, example was that stack of cash, you know. 
I was worried and I was losing hope that I wouldn't be able to financially afford being in ministry. And that prophetic word said, no, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come back up. And I'm like, I don't know how that's going to happen. But it gave me hope. And sure enough, it, it actually happened. Uh, in Scripture, there's the, the story of Abraham and Sarah, who they had heard from God that they were going to be the parents, you know, the father of nations. Was Abraham was going to be the father of nations. And yet they didn't have any children at all. And so when Abraham was almost 100 years old and Sarah was like 90 years old, they had all but given up hope on ever having children. And some angels came by and actually said, hey, you're going to have a child a year from now. There was actually a date put on it, and it gave them hope that maybe this will actually happen. And sure enough, Isaac was born uh, within a year. So the Bible is full of prophecies, and we're going to be studying some prophecies through this, uh, this month of December, specifically that gave the people of Israel hope. And I think they can give us hope as well. J. Barton Payne's Encyclopedia of Biblical Prophecy actually lists 1,817 different prophecies. 1,817 different prophecies. Now, some of those prophecies are by people that we know, like Abraham and, and David and so on. And others are by really lesser-known characters like Micah, Amos, and Malachi. So many prophecies are, are put together in 17 specific books. I'm going to list those. Uh, the major prophets are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. They're, they're the first five book of the prophets, and they're, they're called the major prophets because they're large books. That's not because they're major deals. They're just large books. And then you have the minor prophets, which are smaller, which consist of Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. So there's hundreds of prophecies scattered throughout those books and throughout the Old Testament. Many of those prophecies have already happened because they were, they were prophesied to the children of Israel like they were going to be captive and they're going to be taken as captives to Assyria or wherever. You know, those things were going to happen. Uh, some of those prophecies uh, didn't come to pass because they were warnings that were heeded. And then there were other prophecies that, that came to pass in the New Testament, which we'll talk about. And there are still yet prophecies that have not yet been fulfilled. Those are called the last days or the end times. And those are yet to come. But to be sure, they will happen. And they will happen just as they are foretold. So, these books were written, these major and minor prophets, and the Old Testament was completed by the prophetic book of Malachi. And the interesting thing was, that book was finished and written in 400 B.C. Okay, 400 B.C., so 400 years before the birth of Christ. And during those 400 years, God did not speak to man. There were no revelations. There were no new prophets or judges. Nothing. God didn't speak. They were known as the silent years. The silent years, the separation between the Old Testament 
and the New Testament. But what was interesting, if you look at the book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, it ends with a prophetic word about what is to come. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. So the prophecy was that there is a prophet coming, and he will come in the spirit of Elijah. So do you know who that person was? Anybody? John the Baptist. John the Baptist was born 400 years later, right before Jesus was born, and he was the first major prophet to happen in 400 years. Jesus actually spoke about John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 11, and he says this, as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, I tell you. And more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. That actually comes from Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Verse 11 says, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people have been raiding it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. So you can say it kind of ended there, and then here comes John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. So even Jesus said, Elijah that John the Baptist is the Elijah that was to come, that was prophesied in Malachi, that we've been waiting 400 years to hear from. So why did God decide to start speaking to man again? 400 years later. It's because it was a pivotal moment in history. In fact, Hundreds of prophecies were about to be fulfilled, John the Baptist being just one of them. Biblical scholars believe that Jesus' life, his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection fulfilled over 300 of these Old Testament prophecies that had yet been unfulfilled about the coming Savior, the coming Messiah, the coming King. So we're going to take the next several weeks leading up to Christmas, and we're going to study some of these prophecies. They're, they're known as the Messianic prophecies, the ones about the Messiah, um, in a series titled Foretold Prophecies Fulfilled by the Birth of Christ. And this week specifically, we're going to look at the prophecies around the coming Messiah, what, what was said about the coming Messiah, how Jesus fulfilled the coming Messiah, what people were thinking about when they talked about the coming Messiah. See, at that time, when John the Baptist was born, when Jesus was born, they had been in captivity by the Romans for 63 years. And so when they thought about and read about the coming Messiah, 
their first thought is, okay, this is going to be a judge or a king like in the olden days where they rose up and they, they like freed us from captivity. That was in the mindset of the people during that time. But God had a much bigger plan, didn't he? And thank God he did. He wasn't about just freeing the people of Israel anymore from captivity. He was about freeing us from being captive to sin. And so the coming Messiah had a much bigger plan than what the people of Israel thought during that time. So Jesus is the coming Messiah. And so today we're going to look at a couple of those prophecies around what it meant, what they were looking for, and how Jesus fulfilled them. But first let me pray, and then I'll give you a few more thoughts. So Father, we come to you and thank you that you've included us in the grand design, Lord, that we are part of the plan, and that you're still speaking to us today through Scripture, through situations, through your voice, but also through the prophets, Lord. And so, Lord, today I pray that you would help me to communicate your heart so that we can better understand that Jesus' coming was really part of this master plan, and you had foretold it for hundreds, if not thousands of years, and how we can be assured that we are part of that plan. Open up, our, open up our hearts to receive from you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so you can fill this in on your handout if you'd like. The coming Messiah was prophesied to be a blessing. That's your first feeling, a blessing. It goes back to Genesis with Abraham, where the Lord had said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So many biblical scholars believe that Jesus, the Messiah, is the blessing foretold even to Abraham. Because Jesus is a descendant of Abraham. He even confirms this when he spoke to Jacob in a dream in Genesis chapter 28. He says, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And the prophetic part of that is the Messiah will be the blessing. And then King David wrote in Psalm chapter 72, which again as is a psalm written about the Messiah. It says, endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness, May his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. Then all nations will be blessed through him, and they will call him blessed. <clears throat> so Jesus was a descendant of Abraham, and he fulfilled these prophecies about the coming Messiah that he would be a blessing. Jesus was an incredible blessing to the, the people of his time, right? He healed the sick, you know, healed, gave sight to the blind. He fed the thousands. He spoke incredible words of life. But more than that, Jesus is a blessing to us today because it's because of his sacrifice that we can approach God as if we were sinless. Because if we approached God in our sin, we would be, really, we would be destroyed because there can't be sin 
in front of a holy God. But through Christ's death and sacrifice, we can approach God and have conversation and be in relationship with God. So Jesus is a huge blessing to everyone who calls on him today. And so he fulfilled that. The coming Messiah, number two, was prophesied to be a prophet. We, we don't always look at Jesus as one of the prophets, but he was. He gave many prophetic words and talked about what was going to happen to his disciples and to him, but he also talked about what was going to happen to us in the last days. So he made, gave many prophecies. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 18, it says, uh, when God was talking to Moses, he said, I will raise up from them a prophet like you. Moses was a prophet. He heard from God and conveyed what God said. And this statement here is believed to be a reference towards the Messiah, towards Jesus, not towards any prophet, but toward the prophet. I will raise up from them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. And there's a section in Scripture where Jesus says, I only speak what the Father tells me. He only says what God tells him to say. So he fulfilled this prophecy that he would be a prophet. And the people around him recognized that in Luke chapter 7, it says, they were all filled with awe and praise God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. So the people of that time understood that Jesus was a prophet. Well, the coming Messiah was also prophesied to be a priest. So he was prophesied to be a priest. He was prophesied to be a prophet. King David prophesied this in Psalm 110. He says, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, this is significant because priests only came through the, the line of Levi, right? They were the Levites. And so how can Jesus be in the line of David, which we'll talk about in a little bit, and be in the line of Levi, which were the, the priests? And, and so it was prophesied that there would come the one, the chosen one, who would be in the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a priest during Abraham's time, and he actually, Melchizedek blessed Abraham, but nobody knows what his heritage was. It was a mystery. So that's why they say, in the order, in the line of Melchizedek. So Jesus was a priest when he was here on earth. He taught in the tabernacle, but more than that, he is a priest forever interceding for us in heaven today before the Father. So priests would offer sacrifices, you know, sin offerings to, to forgive the sins of the people. Well, Jesus is doing that today. He is a priest for us in heaven, offering himself as the payment for our sins so that we can be sin-free. So Jesus was a priest and is a priest. The coming Messiah was also prophesied to be the Son of God. Psalm chapter 2 is a prophetic 
psalm about the coming Messiah, and, and it says, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son today. I have become your father. And if you look at all throughout Jesus' life and ministry, he, he referred to God as his father and himself as his son. But even more than that, God himself declared that Jesus was his son when he got baptized. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, it says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is God speaking, said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So the Messiah was going to be the son of God, and Jesus was declared by God himself to be God's son. And then the last villain is just that Messiah was prophesied to be a king. And we'll talk about this more really throughout the series, but next week we'll talk more about this. I already spoke to the idea that Jesus was a descendant of David, um, and David was a descendant of Judah. So Israel, Jacob, had 12 sons, and when he was on his deathbed, he prophesied over all 12 sons. But when he came to Judah, he says this in Genesis chapter 49, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. So all the brothers knew that Judah was going to be the line of all of the kings of Israel. And David and Solomon, King David, King Solomon, were all descendants of Judah. And Jesus is a descendant of King David and of Judah as well. Isaiah chapter 9 says this, Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So as the Israelites and the teachers of the law, as they studied all of these Old Testament prophecies about the coming Messiah, they had to have been confused. Because how could they be a priest and also be a descendant of David? And how can they... You know, there's all of these questions that are surrounding it. But Jesus fulfilled them all. Jesus fulfilled them all. And so we get to, over the next several weeks, study all of these different prophecies. Not all 300, just be, be sure. But we're going to study these different prophecies about how Jesus actually fulfilled them. But I want to read this. This is a section that I found in one of my commentaries. And I'll be honest, I, I lost which one it was, so um, forgive me for that. But this is what it says. It says, the, the word Messiah is derived from the Hebrew word Mashiach, which is translated one who is anointed. The noun comes from the verb to anoint, a ceremonial process involving the coronation of the king and commissioning of priests throughout the Jewish Bible. The concept of a particular anointed one developed within the Jewish scriptures and refers to a promised descendant from the line of King David who will redeem the Jewish people and reign on the Davidic, Davidic throne. In the Greek Bible, the word is translated Christos, from which we get the English word Christ. Traditional Judaism and Christianity agree in principle 
that the Messiah will be a monarch, a descendant of King David, who will reign on his throne and establish a global kingdom. He is sent by God and will usher in a utopian era of peace. So the coming Messiah was prophesied to be a king. And Jesus is a king. And he will reign in the last days. We will get to see that. Of when he, he actually is sitting on the throne and we get to see it. So the coming Messiah was prophesied to be a blessing, a prophet, a priest, the Son of God, and a king. And so over the next week, we're gonna, next several weeks, we're going to take a look at some more of these Old Testament prophecies about Christ's birth and how he fulfilled them. Here's our schedule. So today was the coming Messiah. Next week, we're going to look at the little town of Bethlehem. So what's so significant about the location of Christ's birth? Why was that important? And how that actually fulfilled Old Testament scripture, Old Testament prophecies. And then the next week, we're going to look at the three wise men. What was that all about? How did that have to do with anything related to uh, the Old Testament prophecies? And then we're, on Christmas Eve, we're going to look at uh, Christ as the Lamb of God, the prophecies surrounding that, how Christ fulfilled it. And uh, just side note, that's going to be an evangelistic service. If you know people who don't go to church regularly, uh, invite them to come on Christmas Eve because we're going to share the gospel on Christmas Eve. So, so bring all of your unchurched friends. We have two services, one at 3 o'clock, one at 4.30 on Saturday night, Christmas Eve. And then on Sunday, Christmas Day, we're not going to have any services here. Uh, so spend time with your families. And then on, just side note, on uh, New Year's Eve, we're going to have a special night of worship. One at 4.30 p.m. and one at 11 p.m. So 4.30 p.m. is for all, all of us old folks. We can come and act like we're celebrating and bringing in the new year together. And then... 11 p.m. is all for all of us young at heart folks, right? And uh, the 11 p.m. is going to be a party. Our team has some fun things planned for that. So uh, plan on coming to one of those on, on New Year's Eve. And then on uh, Sunday, January 1st, no services here. You guys can sleep in. See, that's, you can stay up, Janice. You can stay up past midnight because you can sleep in on, on New Year's Day. Um, watch football, all those good things. So... Over the next several weeks, please invite your friends and family members to come, coworkers, neighbors, all of those things, because uh, Christmas is a time that people are, are more likely to say yes to coming to church. So definitely plan on doing that. Let's all stand for closing prayer. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofinner.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.